The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. For Sunday night, December 12, 2021, presented by Anime North, this is episode 55 of the Anime Roundtable Canada. Good evening from Six Points, 10 minutes south of the Anime North compound in the Toronto West End. Mike Nicholas, joined this evening by Kevin Ng, Mohamed Shamarki, and Jeff Gregg. James Austin is off tonight. He's enjoying some family time, probably spiking his nephew. Touchdown, Bears! Wait, wait, wait. Spiking like his drinks or? No, like a football. Like a football. You're not supposed to explain the joke, Mike. <laughs> it makes it more funnier. Every, every comedian knows that jokes that are explained are 10 times funnier. This will be edited out, you know. <laughs> a quick reminder that we want you to join in on the conversation. Old school email. Let us know what you think. Anime Roundtable at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Roundtable. The website, AnimeRoundtable.com, for show notes and past episodes. And Twitch, YouTube, they've been activated. We have the Facebook group, and Discord is next. Okay, gentlemen, since uh, James isn't here this evening, I have to face you guys alone. So I'm going to ask you guys quickly if you have any comments on our first attempt at a live stream, but... Before I ask for those answers, I will remind you, sooner or later, all three of you will have to face the camera as well. That's fine. So what, what's your take? How, 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 did, how did that go? Because it was rough. It that means I'll like, actually I'll get to dress up. Now that you bring it up, um, James and I really didn't. And that's fine, too. You wear whatever you want. I just like to wear stuff that yes, i bought I you know <laughs> that sounds that sounded kind of weird but like i you know i like i like certain things and i'll wear certain things and some if i'll have an opportunity to wear whatever i feel like at the moment then maybe i wouldn't have otherwise and i'll do it you know what now that you brought this up i was looking through my computer a couple days ago and i found uh, some old photos from one of our anime north tapings i think it was it might have been 2008 and I looked at it. Je- Jeff uh, did the episode with us with uh, with Megan Swain. And oh, okay. Jeff, I, I, Jeff, I remember this episode actually. That, this is where the punchline's about to come. Jeff, I remember was wearing Spock ears. If you remember this, Jeff, I, I don't know how well you remember this. Yeah, so that would have been um, I cosplayed uh, the Gunner character class from Disgaea, and at the time, like you know, the elf ears were not really. A possibility which would have been more accurate so um he <laughs> went spock ears yeah it was the closest thing but that's interesting because that would have been like maybe my like second cosplay or something so that would have been pretty early on yes and the punchline is i looked through the audience pictures from that evening and i saw kevin i'm pretty sure that was kevin t-shirt and shorts probably me uh i almost never wear shorts anymore <laughs> 
Yes. And I think this was the first time we met you too at the time. Oh, really? It was that long ago. Yeah. This might've been one of the first times we met you. I feel like I met, I definitely met James at a fan expo. And then with you, Mike, I think the first time was actually when I, like when I actually spoke with you was when I did go to York for a taping once. This was one of the episodes in the forties during, uh, during the old era, so to speak. Well, 1940s. <laughs> I could have recorded using transistor radios. I don't know if transistor radios is <laughs> like the truck thing. Never mind. We, we, we have to script that one. <laughs> yeah, I took that go bus to York and then uh, kind of got lost. Like I knew it was in Bethune, but it was, Bethune. it was kind of tricky, like navigating for me at the time as a high school. Was I in high school or was I in like, first year uni? I don't remember anymore yes, exactly when. Sure it's- it's pretty, pretty sure much the extreme opposite end of the campus as far as where buses deliver people. I mean, it's yeah. a bit of a journey. I remember walking like a good five minutes at least to Bethune. Is this like winter time? This would have been like fall for sure. Like maybe like October, November. So you didn't take the underground? I didn't know it that, existed. That cause... was closed officially. Like even my first year, it was famously blocked up. No, I'm pretty sure it was active when we were doing episodes back then, like no, 07, it, 08. It was closed from my first year, sort of infamously. Oh. Infamously. My memory's all blurry now, so. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I was in high school, actually. Yeah, pretty sure of that part of it, anyway. Okay, your so. Tape, your taping was fine, Mike. <laughs> Is it okay? I oh, thought so, was- too. There were there were definitely some things that you know I did comment on in the chat, and I I wanted to comment on uh, today, but I forget what they are now. Oh, what, what, what did you want to comment on? There was there was something about like I think maybe Japanese schools or something, but I I forget. <laughs> what, we what were the what were the topics that you talked about again? We only talked about the we only talked about totally not Mark, and then we talked about plans for um what we're yeah. going to do. This week. We're gonna get we're gonna get to we'll get, we're gonna get to the uh, Mark Fitzpatrick toy situation a bit later on. The one thing I learned quickly is, right as of now, we're probably not gonna try Facebook for a while, at least until I get something cleared up. Because you heard me mention right away the connection to the Facebook group and streaming on it got cut off almost instantly. And I kind of learned a little bit why, or at least I tried to Google it. And the only explanation that seems to make sense as to what could have happened was Facebook's worry about what content I was going to use. Seemingly it worked under the assumption that I was going to use some sort of copyright image or music or material. And it never gave me the chance. I disagree with the decision. Because it was this was the first time I was streaming anything on Facebook, but I since then I've tried to at least test starting some sort of live stream, whether it's on this computer, whether it's on my phone, and it locks me out each time. So, and it complicated the matters because when we tried to end the stream, it wouldn't properly let me end the stream because it said. You know, it, it was Facebook having its cake and eat it too. It wouldn't let me log in 
wouldn't let me stream on fit directly on Facebook, but it wouldn't ser- totally sever the connection so that I can properly end the broadcast too on, on StreamYard. So I leave it. The next day I look at the Facebook group and it says that the stream, even though it's inactive, it said there's a clock on it saying it's been running for 14 hours, <laughs> even though nothing's, you can't get past the countdown. So I, I completely reset it. I completely deleted um, the StreamYard connection and redid it. But it'll probably, until I can figure this out, and there's a lot to learn here, it's, it's unlikely uh, we'll be using Facebook as a platform in the foreseeable for whenever, whatever we end up doing. So it does, the StreamYard plan lets us stream to three platforms. Obviously, we've chosen two of them. Twitch, although I didn't uh, keep the settings to archive it, so it's not available on VOD in any form. Sorry about that. <laughs> but you can watch it on Facebook, so... Me, YouTube. YouTube. Thank you. Thank you very much. YouTube. And uh, the channel's now active. Just... We'll put in a link in the notes. Again, but if you... Search terms, anime roundtable, it's there. Now that there's a, a, an actual video there. But as stated back then, at this point, only specials, only space heater chats and interviews and maybe the On My Minds are set to be streamed and put on video. Regular episodes at this point will probably still be done on a traditional audio podcast like we're doing right now. So... Yeah, lots to still work on. It was really rough around the edges. We used the templates that were provided, so the default templates for the episode. And over the next little bit, we'll try and personalize it and obviously make it look more polished. But it's, from my personally, from my standpoint, it's nice that we finally tried it. And hopefully it'll... We'll get used to it, and uh, I'll warm up to it, hopefully the same way we've warmed up to doing it here remotely on Zencaster. And we, we'll have a good routine in place. To that end, who? Well, we'll talk about uh, the next uh, stream after the taping tonight. Okay. The idea with doing a Space Heater chat like we did on, was it Wednesday? was to always start a conversation, like I said, and when we can follow up on next time the full table gathers. James isn't here to follow up, help us with the follow-up, but almost certainly we're going to, as I said, we're going to talk about Totally Not Mark in, in a bit. Actually, which, where do you want to start first? Do you want to start with uh, the news concerning Totally Not Mark and follow up on that, or do you want to go back to the Cowboy Bebop live action? Which one do you want to start with? I feel like totally not Mark's Toei. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just... It's it's one of those conflicting situations where, like, Toei is so big that, like, nothing that we do will resonate with them whatsoever. They won't won't stop this type of action. Nothing we can do or say or plead with enough people to do or download or whatever isn't going to change their mind. And this clear level of 
almost targeted harassment on people who are doing nothing but promoting their their goods i mean i feel like it's it's just the way the copyright system is the way youtube is the way companies are and it's just you know screaming into the void it's it's what can you do jeff kevin you have a thought i think that it's a shame that that happened to him and his team knowing how toei is in their history of doing this not surprised. I feel like, you know, it's, I guess it's hard. Obviously, when you've made that many videos, editing all of those after the fact is there's no point in doing that, especially when you're supposed to have the fair use doctrine to protect you. But a bot doesn't, like, bots don't care because it's not as if Toy individually, like, checked every video they 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 run bots they have like a bot set up to do that i'm assuming they pay no, for a service to do that don't they it, it's not even that it's more in the sense of like they, they could they'll get a list of like a whole bunch of channels that are technically using some of their materials the numbers yeah. might be on the numbers might be off but like it, it would cost them nothing to just be like hire a couple people to manually review it or it's just it, it, it's so short-sighted on their part as a company to do something like this. Like it's like the thing with Nintendo a few years back where there were, uh, you know, uh, copyright claiming let's plays and so forth. It just the, the, the negative reaction to any of this stuff should be enough to, to, for a company to be like, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't uh, poo poo people who are promoting our stuff for free, but I don't know, man, you have investors and it's run you know, by old Japanese men. What do you expect? It's, you know, if that's the case, doesn't money speak louder than whatever predetermined feelings they have about how things should be done copyright wise? I mean, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like I, I can see for numerous Japanese companies in similar situations, it doesn't matter. A lot of the times with Japanese companies, and I know this is changing now, but like they just want to do things the way they've always done. like. They don't feel the need to expand outside or they don't feel the need to address international concerns unless they were really forced to, unless they had the philosophical knife to their throat. We just have to wait. I just, I feel like we just have to wait for them to, I don't know. All the old on. people, well, all the old people need to die and the young people will have the foresight to keep these things in mind or, uh, Someone, assuming the right person has to talk to the right executive in like during like I don't know during a dinner or during like a bar hangout and maybe things no 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 I, I I envision it being during some kind of a um a hot spring type situation relaxing or at a bathhouse or something and then <laughs> you just quietly tell them hey let's not do this <laughs> I I feel the need but, to remind you that Japanese people live a long time in general so well, yeah. it might be a while yeah. my take if you're gonna we're gonna use the cultural part is a lot of the youth as far as I could tell in Japan have been so discouraged about the way things are there's that's part of those lost decades those lost years that we're talking about now as as leadership positions open up because of people in those positions dying or retiring there. I know it's, it's it's less likely in Japan, but retirements do happen. (laughs) 
but but you wonder if there if if a vacuum in that type of leadership it could develop because people are so discouraged. The youth can be so discouraged at this point. Possible. Even outside of leadership, the problem with this situation is that Toei is a very big company, and it's also very far away. Um, so the reverberations from what I'm imagining a fairly significantly American, um, or at least Western, air quotes, Western mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's worth noting Mark is, uh, Mark is Irish, actually. Yeah. Um, well, but I, I still imagine most of the, the views are American. Um, it's just kind of the way YouTube works. I could be wrong, but, um, you know, that that's just kind of what happens. But regardless, it's, it's the West. Japan probably isn't going to care as much. Like even like YouTube is, you know, there's a presence there in Japan now, but it's still probably seen as like an American platform and something that needs to be policed and not cared about otherwise. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's branches of it that cares about, like, you know, the the reputation and the advertisement of its properties in in the West. But, you know, it's it's it would be secondary. Um, I think that, you know, and, and this, you know, the, the whole topic reminded me of when I was listening to um, the space heater. Um, I was reminded that I've kind of dealt with this uh, myself. Like, I'm not a YouTuber, but I've uploaded, you know, personal videos to YouTube in the past. And one of them was copyright claimed by Japan. Um, and it was really interesting. So the the video was in, I guess, my, my last year of high school, um, I was in film class, and there was a music video project. And as someone who, even by grade 12, didn't really listen to a lot of mainstream music, um, the obvious choice from me was the vocal version of Being Friends from the Mother One album. Uh, Mother One being, or Mother oh, being wow. the NES uh, game known here as Earthbound Zero. Um, wow. So in Japan, when Mother was released, there was this very weird part of the album with like a choir um, from somewhere in the UK, I think, um, vocal performers. Um, my film teacher called the song, uh, Disney meets ABBA or something. Um, but it's, it's kind of surreal. Um, but anyways, I, I use this song, um, known as the default song for one ed or on it in Smash Brothers, if anyone's curious. Um, and I use this song for my music video. Uh, for years, it, I uploaded, I uploaded it to YouTube. It just sat there. Um, if all of a sudden, you know, probably over a decade after I uploaded it. So I uploaded it during the early days of YouTube, or at least relatively early. Um, I got an email, it was copyright claimed, uh, from Sony uh, Music Japan. Uh, And the interesting thing is, it is only copyright claimed in Japan. So while I was in Japan, I couldn't share that video, but it's still there and, you know, functional, at least last time I checked, um, in, I think, every other country. Um, and that's specifically to music. Like Japan is, it was and still is very sensitive about its music. I'm surprised any Japanese pop song is on Spotify. Um, famously, or not famously, but the DS and 3DS game Band Brothers had a ticket system. So when you bought the game, you had 40 songs you could download. Um, and these were fan made game or fan made songs, but based off of licensed songs. 
So, you know, because of that, they were, you know, so sensitive to the copyright claims that they were like, okay, you can, you can download 30 songs, but that's it. Um, you can choose which ones they are, but once you use up all your tickets, no more. Um, so, and of course that game was never released in North America. Um, so sorry for that tangent, but the, the point is I'm surprised that, you know, why didn't they just do that? Block, block the content in Japan, demonetize for Japan. If that's possible these days, YouTube might've changed. Um, but it's, it's, it just seems archaic to me. There, there must've been some workaround, but they decided not to go with it. Yeah. But, and you're right. There's a lot of safeguards these days. For reference, I, I kept joking about Plastic Love, the City Pop standard. And I even sent you a video of those two members of Hinatazaka 46 performing a cover of it for uh, NHK. I saw a video of a live performance of the original artist, uh, Maria Takeuchi, performing it with her husband. And the first couple comments were, ooh, it's here up again. Best to enjoy it before it gets <laughs> taken down again. <laughs> and, well, I mean, I remember when we talked about um, Hatsuko and uh, Kozu Murashita. Like, there are various versions of that. And regularly it, you'll see a recording of that song get taken down. At least with this, I can understand, because there are so many... YouTube to MP3 websites and, and apps out there that I can understand the sensitivity of, you know, let's take this down. We need to preserve album sales to sell the CDs and A-tracks here back in Japan. Um, but, you know... And CDs and A-tracks are probably still a thing with, uh, with vinyl <laughs> going up again. Yeah, sure. Um, but like, you know, because I can understand. Maybe Japan still has mini-disc recordings too. Um, probably not, but... Um, God, mini-discs. Never... never... <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. That's the that's the thing. But like, you know, I get it with, you know, songs, because even if it's like a PV or music video, you can just record the song and have a nice experience listening to the music and they've lost a sale from the CD or they've lost, you know, 0.5 cents of a Spotify, you know, playlist, you know, like I can get it. But with a transformative work, because like with with the situation with Toei, like it was just like reviews and commentary what right like i get japan has different laws but it's pure transformative criticism parody t discussion like oh no a, fo a you know screenshot was used like i don't think this person was like showing full episodes of of dragon ball or, or one piece or whatever we was talking about um it's 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 ridiculous that they would and you know claims like this happen all the time but like for so many videos to go down like i could see maybe there was one that oh maybe they showed five minutes of footage and that's too much but you know it seems like it was way more of a you know scorched earth approach kind of thing um it, it it's just you know boggles my mind as far as like you know it's clearly criticism it's clearly fandom expression of like i love this series or i want to talk about this series and Japan doesn't understand that. And it's, it's interesting because, like, if I think to, like, the, you know, Nico Nico trends or other YouTube um, or streaming trends with, with Japanese um, 
creators and audiences, they don't really have that commentary culture that, you know, started here with things like the angry video game nerd and nostalgia critic. Like, for whatever reason, that's just not the kind of thing that Japanese people find interesting. And I wonder if that's, or at least from what I could tell, or it never caught on there. And I wonder if that's part of the reason that, like, they just don't conceive of of this type of content, or they don't understand it. I think this is all going to come to a head at some point. Uh, the entire copyright system, uh, as more important people, you know, produce and put more stuff online, more criticism, more, you know, commentary related stuff. It's, it's, there's going to have to be some kind of reckoning for this because companies like this are just going to keep abusing it. I mean, it's Toei tomorrow. It might be. You know, Fox, uh, Fox is not a company anymore, but Disney, Nintendo, uh, so, you know, company after company is going to keep doing this over and over and over again until the laws are changed. And keep I think they might. We, we are talking about fair use over lack of fair use. Right. That, that was a big, big crux in all of this. I, and, 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 and I'm pretty sure the, 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 the lines are there in regards to what is considered fair use, you know, litigation wise, but giant companies could just claim. It, it's not and then wait for the afterfall afterwards right uh, it, it, it's on i believe like youtube's onus to try to like mitigate this type of situation sooner rather than later because if they, they wait on this type of stuff it's not gonna look good for them mm. well yeah you, you you brought up reverberations and i think one of the uh, tweets that kind of made the rounds over the last couple of days is from the head of Anime News Network, Christopher McDonald, the, ed- the editor-in-chief. He and Justin Savakis Siv- from Discotech, among other things. They had a to and fro. Justin started, This is an incredibly bad look for Atoei Animation. They need to fire the company they're using for DMCA enforcement. That said, literally starting a company on someone else's platform using other people's copyright chars is... Uh, kind of building your house on a fault line. So he kind of went both ways. But then Chris McDonald uh, quickly responded by saying, <clears throat> ahem, Toy Animation is infamously crappy about YouTube enforcement. They're the only company that has taken down ANN videos off of YouTube and refused to let them go back up after we made our case to them. Every other company has always agreed that our videos are fair use. I've talked to other lawyers in the anime sphere that are involved in issuing takedowns. And even with their, within their circles, Toei Animation is known for being problematic and having no concept of fair use. To quote a well-informed lawyer, someone is going to sue Toei someday. And then he ended up by saying... Result, of course, is that I'm less inclined to pay for our staff slash freelancers to waste their time making videos about Toei stuff. And a shrug emoji. That's the the thing, though, right? Because, like, if any company can get away with it, it might be Toei because, you know, oh, no, there's no one talking about dragon ball is still gonna sell a lot because it's dragon ball um so well yeah when you have when you have two of the tight uh two titles like one piece and dragon ball in your yeah i get it so i, I don't i don't buy that building your empire on the the backs of you know other people's content or something a little bit like film criticism has existed for you know a hundred years at this point right 
Um, this is just the evolution of, of film criticism, at least if you do it properly. Like if you're showing like full 10 minute clips from the movie and talking over it, I, I still think it's probably fair use if you are talking over it, but I can see the the legal argument there in favor of the the original content creation for sure. Um, you know, I'm not sure I would want that if I was um, any level of, of animation studio or, or what have you. Um, but most of these, they're they're just showing like a screenshot in the background or in a letterboxed window or, you know, a, a five second a clip. Picture. Yeah, this like a, a picture in picture, right? Yeah. And like, you know, people will do anything they can to like preserve the, their right to continue to do this. Like they'll swap the image, they'll blur it, they'll make sure it's under five seconds. It's it's sad that you can't just say, here's a really cool scene. I want to talk about the animation of it. Um, you just have to refer to it sometimes. And it, I, I do want to emphasize very sometimes and depending on the company, but that sucks for all the content creators because they have to research, okay, which company is going to take me down? Um, how am I going to factor this into my edits? Do I make like three different edits of this one video um, just to make sure and be safe? Like they shouldn't have to do that. There should be very clear and understandable rules about like, you know, you can't show this amount of time or you can't, um, you know, play music at the same time. Your vo voice volume has to be, you know, a certain amount louder than any audio you play. Um, you know, only two lines per character per dialogue for purposes of showing the, the voice acting, you know, uh, performance, like stuff like that. But it's it's just arbitrary. And I imagine... It's so frustrating for anyone who wants to analyze or criticize um, animation. To your point, Jeff, and then I'll go to Mo. To your point, the NFL kind of does that. National Football League kind of does a has a guideline over how how highlights are shown, and sometimes they give uh, they give exclusivity for more longer form highlights to certain shows. I think uh, that's sort of the um, deal that. NBC has for Sunday night uh, for football night in America, their recap show before the Sunday night game, they're allowed to show longer, high, longer form highlights. And perfect. Do something like that. NFL. And then, and then everybody else they're, they're when they show highlights, it's not, it's not allowed to be as long, but I mean, and the NFL is called is, has its own, you know, uh, image issues as well, but just putting that out there. Mo, I, I feel like YouTube probably dropped the ball on this. Uh, the, the standards are set. Uh, this should be automated in a, in a certain way, in the way that it's automated for them to flag these videos as being copyright infringement upon and have takedowns happen that way. YouTube should be on the sides of the creators and not the copyright holders. But at the same time, I understand why that's the case. I feel like if I'm 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 pretty sure there's like systems in place when you do stuff on YouTube that help you with this type of stuff when you're uploading videos to get auto-checked ahead of time before being posted to be like, hey, this thing you're posting has copyrighted material or so forth, right? But it's, I don't know, it's... All, all social media is skewed to the um, advantage of the privileged, no matter what, um, you know, type of privilege that is. Like, it's, it's very sad. Um, but it's just the way it's been set up because advertisers and big companies give these platforms money. 
Uh, so they, there's not a lot of incentive to change other than bad PR and bad PR is happening, but it, I guess it needs to happen more for things to change. Well, it's the pocketbook or the, or the threat or the threat of, of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Government, like a PR nightmare. Yeah, no, government, uh, government, um, retribution. (laughs) I I feel like. I feel like one of these people are going to become like a senator or something, and then like bring, bring a bill that like just oh, well, that's, that's 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 it. I mean that I mean that's what Facebook is facing right now, right? Government government uh, crackdowns and controls. I, I feel like that's a cliche. The um, well, well, it's it, it's also grandstanding, probably too. Yeah, yeah. The the, uh, the 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 kid whose father was murdered and then trains his entire life to murder the murderer of his father kind of situation, right? What is it like the Princess Bride and Ego Moitoya? You killed my yeah, father. Yeah. Prepare to die, kind of situation. Obviously, this is uh, now a <laughs> well, of course, one of those uh, stories that'll keep going, and it's yet another wrinkle on issues we have already heard about. I mean, here we are starting uh, starting our Twitch channel this week, and our YouTube presence this week, and I made that joke. I'm hesitant to show a picture of the Kotaku article, but we showed it anyway. Kotaku, uh, animeroundtable at gmail.com. Contact me. I think that's fair use. Don't know for sure. I don't know why it wouldn't be. You're showing a screenshot of, like, you're not even showing any part of the article. You're just saying this article exists. Here's a piece of visual media to help illustrate what we're talking about. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. I know. It would be very uh, silly if it if it was a problem. Well, yeah, but until... But you know, we're just right now. We are still two bit. Who knows if if this if if this thing gets big, <laughs> this podcast gets any more popular. Maybe the maybe they will pounce. Hard to say at this point. Well, no. First of all, let's get big. But let's. I do want to save a word for Mark Fitzpatrick himself, because I think yesterday. He put up just a blank audio statement on his YouTube, just a black screen with him saying he's going to take a break. He'll do one more video. That'll be it for 2021. He needs to take a step back. Clearly, this has taken quite the toll on him emotionally, mentally. And... And I'll, I, I said it in the uh, in Twitter, and yes, he's been keeping. Um, he has retweeted a lot of major mentions of what he's been going through because this has made rounds. Even the Philip DeFranco show has a uh, big piece the, on it. The original YouTuber. Although the to be, to, be, to be fair, I mean Philip's stance was to boycott Toy, and I feel like well, that's that's that's, that's, that's silly, man. It's like boycotting Coke. Well, it's it, not going to happen. Yeah. But I feel for the guy, and I've uh, I've stated, you know, if you need a, a, a seat for you around this table, is all is always there. Just is always there for them if they want to just sit down and calm their nerves and need a virtual drink. A real drink, however, is probably given being given by our good friends at the Geek Ire podcast. I talked with Sean earlier just to see what he knew about him. And because he was Irish and Sean's Irish and 
he mentioned to me, yes, he's from Cork in Ireland, and they get they're friends. Hmm. Nice guy. We sang rebel songs at Sciacon, and he is he told me that they're trying to help him out. Uh, everybody in Ireland and the UK are trying to give him some advice. He also added, um, "It's scary and weird. I've seen any tube." situations like this before but not this quickly the hard part is most of the japanese press won't cover this stuff online and then he and he also referred me to uh to christopher mcdonald's tweets so yeah we're all um we're all uh pulling for you we're all pulling for you mark just so you're aware because and I, from what I understand, uh, the community has been very supportive. So if it's worth anything. But uh, yeah, totally not, Mark. Crew, finish up what you need to do. Get some rest. As I said, I think the community has your back. Okay. Let's get to the other major story this week. The. Netflix algorithm giveth, the Netflix algorithm taketh away. As word came down on Thursday that the Cowboy Bebop live action has been canceled. To the surprise of, uh, of many and frankly to the delight of quite a few. Where do we, where, okay, who wants to take, who wants to take a salvo? Give me a thought. How many have seen, seen it now? Your thoughts on the live action? Just what do you want to say? All right. So I, I've seen, so I, I'd, I'd watched the, the anime for the first time this year, just before the live action came out. I finished it. Then I watched the live action. Uh, I am, I'm saddened that there won't be a second season. Uh, I'm even more saddened by the reaction to everyone of the current live action. Um, and then I'm saddened that, it, you know, it just, it's, it's, it sucks that this happened. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it sucks, man. You liked it. I liked the live action. I did. I mean, it was it the greatest thing in the world. Obviously not. Uh, there were some, uh, artistic liberties taken, but let's not forget th- th- this show isn't yours. The show isn't mine. The show belongs to one person, one person only. And he himself was a consultant. All this live action, he gave it the green light. He said that this is what he wants. This is what he's good with. And if he was at any point not good with it, no matter how big the dump truck of money they gave him was, he would have or he sh- would have said something, right? And he didn't. He said this was good. He put his name to it. The original the. A lot of the original cast came back for it to do voices and so forth. Soundtrack was good. I, I liked it. I liked it so much. Jet was amazing. You know, Vicious, eh. But, you know, you can't win them all. It's just, it's it sucks that we won't get more. Kevin. I've seen the first two episodes. I do intend on finishing it. I just am going at it at my glacial pace that I usually do. I I like what I've seen so far. I do understand the criticisms. I do think that 
Jet is the best of the trio. I do think Faye is the weakest of the trio, even though I don't inherently dislike uh, Danielle Pineda's uh, acting. I think it's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind it being a little different from the Faye that I know from the anime, but uh, I do think, how do I put this? It's not quite Faye in a way, but at the same time, that didn't bother me, but I can definitely see it bothering other people. I All right, I'm, think- I'm going to have to jump in real quick. Uh, um, Kevin, f- finish the 10 episodes and then come back in a couple of weeks and then you'll change your mind a thousand percent, I guarantee you. I likely Everyone. won't finish the show until February, to be honest. Because like I've said before, this is a dinner show for me. And oh. right now, I'm not in a position to uh, watch it while I eat dinner. So that means I won't be finishing it for quite a while. No, no, I, I, I totally get it. But I just I feel like the criticism that people have of, the, of, of Daniela's performance as Faye uh, if you watch the full ten episodes, there's a couple of like face centric episodes in there uh, that will change your mind on her, on her performance, uh, on everything. There's something that happens in episode ten that I can understand why fans would be upset by, and I'm not talking about Ed because you guys are monsters for what you did to Ed. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but but it's it's just honestly, if you watch it, I, I believe more. It's the type of thing where I guarantee you, in like six months, when everyone's fully watched it. And we'll come back and be like, oh, man, I was wrong. That was actually not bad. And I feel bad for what I said. I, I want that to happen to the internet. I want people to be like, I was wrong. It's the internet, so it's not going to happen. Those people will not finish it, though. Because That's the worst part about it. Because those people weren't giving it... Okay, I shouldn't say all of them were like this, but the majority of the naysayers, as we've discussed in past episodes, were geared to hate this show. With every fiber of their Their being. being. Thank you. I try not to use cliches. That's why I was pausing a little bit. But, and see, and this is why I never cared about things being different. Because if I wanted the same thing, I'd go watch the original source material. I would go watch the anime. But, unfortunately, with anime fandom... This is largely not the case. They want their anime adaptation of Monster where it was basically panel for panel, shot for shot. And, you know, and I hate to say it, but as much as I, you know, thought it was fine, like that, I think that was just my gut reaction. I was like, yeah, this is fine. Like, you know, I like it, but. I didn't love it like I did with the anime. I do feel when I can see why some people say that the live action adaptation doesn't have a soul. I that that's very unfair to the live action, but I kind of I kind of get why people say that. Well, okay, I'm going to re-ask the yes no I asked. Jeff and James last week to you two was Cowboy Bebop live action always going to be a Kobayashi Maru situation? It what, didn't have to be. 
What do you mean? Can you elaborate on that? Oh, it's a it's a no win situation. I want to say no because sure, like Watanabe can okay certain things, but but in the end, does that translate to a positive reaction to the audience? You don't. We don't know. It's hard no, to say, right? I I I I understand that, but I feel like if the original creator of the show green lights like like if if he wanted it like if what uh came out and was like oh i'm making 26 new episodes season of 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 um of cow bebop animated and so forth would 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 the audiences be like no you can't do that right like would they be that hellbound on saying no to new material even even like a reimagining i mean it's just reimaginings are happening it's, it's yeah and and that's why everyone loves the star wars prequels because the original creator came back and gave his his original vision of glorious pod racing for everyone oh. and the world rejoiced because thank goodness the original creator came back to write the ship and and give us new material from his beloved <laughs> universe where is that bucket so i can puke in it <laughs> Episode one is probably my second favorite Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually, my 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 star my Star Wars ranking. Uh, I am not the biggest Star Wars fan. My Star Wars ranking is probably number one, The Mandalorian. Uh, number two, Seagull Stop It Now. Uh, that weird fake fan dub music video. Oh, uh, number three, uh, the episode of the. Uh, Gendy Tarakovsky uh, animated uh, thing with Kit Fisco, the weird Zora fish guy who jumps around. You can always count uh, him to do good stuff. Number four, the rest of that animated series. Uh, and then I guess number five, episode one. And then six, uh, the the first one of the new trilogy. Wait, no, um, no, no, last, no Last Jedi? What's happening here? Which one's that? Is that the latest one? Is that the is that the movie is that the movie that made every that made fans of the first one and the second one angry? Which was ridiculous. Anyways, probably. Um, my my point of of all of this is that like the original creators of a fictional media series, yeah, they can have clout. I think that the the creators of Avatar: The Last Airbender leaving the Netflix series made a statement. I don't know if the series is going to be good. The casting looks good. Um, what little we've seen of the graphics look good. Um, but there's still the stink of the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, and, you know, in both cases, the original creators were on board at first and then backed away. Um, versus Cowboy Bebop, it looks like it's almost the opposite situation where the original creator was, like, not involved and they got involved a little bit. Um, so I, I don't know how much value the original creator's involvement has we'll we'll find out for sure when the mario movie comes out all right a couple thoughts <laughs> one no no the, the, and these are all unrelated but uh just maybe following up as well okay I, i've started a trend of tangent so it's okay <laughs> my no, favorite's I, episode eight by the way <laughs> no i don't really know what to add about uh, about last uh, last airbender it's just it la like I was never an uh, Avatar fan, so I never watched it. It, it. But I get it. I understand, you know, what happens when the 
like the whole bit about the creator walking away. I, I just don't know what else to add to that. And it's one of those we'll see things, but boy, it, that's just added gasoline to that fire too. I mean, I, I feel like it all comes down to, do you want, do, do, does everyone want a shot for shot remake of what you've already had or a reimagining or retelling? Right. Well, and, and, and that's, that's part of the, like the to and fro I had in the uh, unofficial on the unofficial anime North page. Yeah. If, if you want to, people wanted the one for one, but then again, what's the point of a one for one? It's kind of a waste of that's a, now there's the waste. Yeah. Right no, for, for that situation, I, I honestly feel like, I, I honestly feel like ain't nobody got time for that. Right. Yeah. I thought that that's how I feel about that. <laughs> Everyone- oh, by the way, Mo, Mo has a uh, Mo <laughs> has the uh, sound effects machine on his computer this week. Kevin, regarding Kevin. reimaginings, like if it's well executed, then it's fine. Like Tatsunoko was reimagining a few of their old properties over the past like 10, 15 years or so. Like Yatterman Knight was a pretty uh, intriguing and. And I'm pretty sure it was a well-received adaptation of the original Yatterman. It completely turned the premise over its head. Yeah, that uh, was great. Like, I, I wouldn't even say that's an interpretation of the original Yatterman. I think it's it's just, like, using that source material to create something new and, and cerebral and fun and and fascinating. Like, that was, that was great. And, good point. And, like, look at Devilman Crybaby. Look how that exploded no one gave a shit about devil man except for <laughs> old men up until that that anime came out and now look at it it was so popular for a while mm. a similar thing happened well but there was a opposite reaction with um kevin smith's he-man um because oh no he made a female of the protagonist have you seen season Ooh. two yet yeah part great two yet? Great. That entire, great. The entire, like the entire show it. is good. Like, I don't under, like people, like, it's just frat boys that are now 50 going like, oh, I want my He-Man just fighting Skeletor over and over again. They don't know what they want. Uh, I'm bitter about their reaction to it. Like, if you don't like it, fine. But like, I don't like the complaints that they give. Evan? And going back to Star Wars briefly, I did want to elaborate <laughs> why I liked Episode Eight, and that's because uh, I, I feel like the Star Wars fandom is just, by and large, very like set in their ways. They want certain things, and and I will I will say up front that I'm going to be paraphrasing Zach Burchie's opinion on Episode Eight because I ended up agreeing with his thoughts on it, but it was I thought it was a message of, like, look, the Star Wars you know and loved should die, and it should be reborn for a new generation that can also appreciate this franchise just as much as you do, albeit in a possibly different way. It, it's a good way. It, I thought it was a great way of like I, I figured the way that they okay so if you didn't watch episode a i'm gonna spoil some of it the way that they kill luke skywalker at the end of that movie like i was just like wow like it's like it's like they're really trying to in a way reboot this franchise and really let try and let the new cast stand on its own 
and then uh, episode nine happened because all the fanboys fucking complained and they switched directors and Disney caved and we all know how that ended out. Eight is the one with the sacred texts, right? Yep, and the uh, and the um, the um, the more more. I, I love I love the sacred text scene so much. It is so funny and so like basically reflecting everything Kevin just said. Um, yeah, I think nine nine just made everyone uh, unhappy. People who liked uh, I guess seven made them upset. People who liked eight made them upset. People who hated both of them made them upset. Uh, it really unified uh, everyone. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, you're, if you're, <laughs> it's it's like by committee to see who can, it's like a race to see who can who can upset the most people, right? Oh. Yeah. Welcome to the Star Wars Roundtable podcast, coming <laughs> yeah, from the Six Point Studio on Dagobah. Who isn't that big a fan of Star Wars either? Like, I I've only watched bits and pieces of the original trilogy, and like, did not watch. I think I watched two thirds of Episode One, and then I watched two and three in theaters and then I like star trek <laughs> <laughs> well you bring up star trek and star wars and um and just as a quick a star wars aside my best friend who i've mentioned before he will probably have a debate with you about the purpose of doing the last trilogy because his feelings was always star wars was about anakin it should have ended with return of the jedi <laughs> That's his feelings. <laughs> and and I think you can have an intelligent discussion about that. But then they couldn't right. make the monies. Well that that well as Wu Tang clan uh, so says God damn it, Mike. Cash rules everything around me, get the money, dollar dollar bill, y'all. I know, I wait I haven't done that in a couple months. Thank you. So there's that. But keep in mind you remember we Going back to Star Trek, since we brought up Star Trek last week, the Kelvin movies basically clean slated everything, clean slated what would happen in the original series and and made a good logical reason for it. And it was impressive how they did that. It's it's, it's amazing that they made a separate timeline canon to the original timeline. Like, oh, you know, the way golf, they did that. Golf clap genius. for that. That was, it that was, was well done. <laughs> I still marvel at that more than like, roughly 12 years later, probably more. I think it's, it was longer. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. But I marvel at that. I really respected how they did that. And now tying this all back to Cowboy Bebop before we end this. Or as I start to wind down this thought. One. One of the episodes of the live action series told the story of Vicious and Spike's friendship and how it deteriorated. It was a story that's never really explored in the anime. I really appreciate the attempt. Did you really? I really did. What? Honestly, I thought that was one of the weaker episodes. You thought it was a weak episode? I did. I, I liked it, though. I, I, I liked how they tried to explain, try and explain how how their friendship deteriorated. I, I, we just know what happened. For, for me, Vicious in the live action was not good. Well, I mean, you, thought, you thought he was a weak link, right? I mean, in the, in the anime, he's just so... 
because you see so little of him in the anime, he's so menacing, right? And when you do see him, he doesn't speak that often. He's just, oh, man, he's just work, yeah, he's just vicious. And in the anime, in the live action, he's like some uh, brat, some whiny little brat who happens to, you know. Well, we well, know part of that story. Uh, and then there's some of that creative license that I think people really didn't stand. I mean, I, get I it. thought it's Vicious still, was amusing. I thought Vicious yeah. was pretty amusing for that reason. Uh, mm-hmm. I, but I can definitely see Muhammad's complaints. And I do think less of Vicious in this way as a character in the live action. But entertaining. <laughs> I you saw know, a tweet. You, I saw a tweet that described him as um, the guy from The Witcher. If he discovered NFTs, yes, yes, that's a good. That's... <laughs> I don't. I don't really know what any of those elements mean put together, but I saw that tweet and thought it was funny. Oh, I just saw it while scrolling. I'm. I'm sorry. I can't reference who who made it. <laughs> oh, you want to say anything else, or I'll. Um... My other, my I, other. A, a, a criticism that I saw a lot of was that um, John Cho's casting was wrong because he's too old, and how Spike's in his twenties and so forth. T- to those people, like, have they not watched the anime? Like, is like, what's going on here? <laughs> like, Spike, sure, he's like what late twenties, but he doesn't act like 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 it 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 didn't make sense that that was a criticism of him being too old because. That never got. That never came up. That never. That that was never brought up. The, at the same time, people are saying, "Oh, Keanu Reeves should have played him." How old Keanu Reeves? Older. Yeah, exactly. And he, and even even when he <laughs> even, and everyone loves Keanu Reeves, <laughs> and rightfully Keanu so. I, I get that part. <laughs> I get that part. You guys, you got you got to pick a lane, man. You can't have your cake and eat it. You can't you can't be like you need a faithful adaptation. Well, I you get it. Pick. Your battles here. Keanu Reeves, God knows a, a couple, how many years older than Don, John Cho. These were probably the same people who oh. criticized John Cho's casting in the first place. It's, 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 it's like, <laughs> you're breathtaking. Well, who, are you, who are you saying that? No, it's just Keanu a quote, quote, Keanu Reeves quote. It's like, it's like hating vanilla ice cream, but loving um, French vanilla ice cream, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Well said. <laughs> so, and, 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 and I want to bring up one other thing, and this is kind of unrelated to the, well, very much unrelated, but kind of comes back to it as well. Uh, some of what we've just talked about. Remember Tim Burton's interpretation of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Uh, yeah. 15, some odd years ago. Mm-hmm. And they added an origin story to Willy Wonka that he, ha- that he made the, his candy empire based on his fallout, on a fallout he had with his father, who was a dentist. That was that, that rep part of the story. The origin story, his father, was creative license that was added by Tim Burton, but it was approved by the estate of Roald Dahl, the uh, author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I thought that made for an interesting setup because that that's meant that's meant as the prologue to the movie, his fallout from his, from with his father, and it added another. Oh, that it added another. To to the to the movie 
that kind of made the uh, ride a lot more emotional as he saw, you know, how close Charlie was to his family. Sorry, I mean, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, this is a bit off topic, but it reminds me of how in the Drops of God, Shizuku Kanzaki uh, hated his father's work as a wine uh, a wine lover. Or not his job, but like he hated his, his dad and his passion for wine so much that he went to go work for a beer company. It just reminded me of that. Yeah, there you go. And then it, that set that was set the tone for how he had to fight his newly adoptive brother for his dad's estate after his dad died. And this it, is it, all it, happens it, in the first like two chapters, so it's not a spoiler. But these are good, mo- but those type of things I I take fascination. Uh, mo, oh, I was just gonna say that you know Netflix now owns the Raw Dull catalog yeah so. that's right that's that's right I, that, that that was mentioned a few months ago is, so uh so the origin haters, brace yourself the Sorry. willy wonka origin isn't direct to netflix though is it like i thought that was theatrical that was the beginning of well that was the beginning of the tim burton movie no no there's there's a new um willy wonka oh, origin yeah, movie coming out um okay, that, where uh, he's, think... he's a young man I think it's universal, but I'm not 100% sure. But I do know that yeah, it, Netflix now it owns the entire category. It might have been in, in production before the, yeah, the buyout, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, before we, I guess, leave uh, Cowboy Bebop, I do want to say sort of a, a word of, I guess, not mourning, but concern and disappointment for Ed's um, actor. Um, just because oh, can, I, can we go, can we talk about, um, Eden Perkins after I just want to ask one okay. final thing and then I, you're right. We'll end, we'll end on Eden Perkins here. One last thing. Yes or no. The producers of the live action one piece should be worried. Yes, very much. So, uh, if, if, if they, uh, value a career, not a career, but if they, if they, I don't know, like, like run, 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 run. If you sign contracts, break them, leave now. Because you you see what's going to happen. This is going to be a repeat. I think they're releasing One Piece, what, next year, the year after? Same thing with the Gundam live action. Same thing with the, the Yu Yu Hakusho live action. Any live action I that are coming down the pipeline, uh, run. I don't like far. I don't like that attitude. I don't think that I don't think that the industry should just give up on adaptation. Um, I think that's so sad. I mean, I think they should be worried. 100%. I bet. I, I bet. I bet they regret having that huge casting announcement with such positivity. I love how positive the cast was. They they are so excited. I think I've I've mentioned the Nami actor changed all of her profile pictures to Nami. Everyone seems so excited. I I mean, legitimately excited to be part of this project. Um, but they they have all these characters. Um, like they don't go up to Robin or anything, but are they going to cram how many chapters into the first season to have all of the these first five characters in the show? I'm no, I don't know if that bodes well for it. Like, not even, you know, we haven't seen any screenshots or concept art or anything. Um, but you know, definitely One Piece is so tricky to adapt. I'm curious about how that goes, but I think. I think that people just need to be more selective about what they create and how they create it and in what format. Like, you know, 
I think we mentioned last time that Cowboy Bebop was episodic and they tried to turn it into a bingeable show. Maybe that backfired. What is going to happen to One Piece? It seems like they're going to try to condense it um, plot wise. Like, and I think I, I don't, I'm not a big One Piece fan. I haven't seen a lot of it, but from what I can see, a lot of the appeal comes from the very slow growing of these characters and their relationships together and exploring sort of new problems to help form these bonds and test them. And I don't think that a condensed Netflix show is going to, you know, respect that very much. If you want to do an adaptation, pick a short series that can be adapted and changed. Death Note was a good choice. The result maybe wasn't amazing because I think they took too many half measures, but shows like that that you can actually fully change and adapt while keeping the spirit, more of that will work, but they want to choose the big popular things that sell toys and t-shirts, so it will probably continue to fail. Evan? I agree with Jeff. Honestly, I... I'd never liked that thought process either of, oh, you shouldn't, like, adapt anime, period. Like, oh, it's it's hopeless. Oh, it doesn't translate the same way than it would in animation. Like, that's such a defeatist attitude. And I'd rather them try and make mistakes than to have not tried at all. Like, yes, we there there are plenty of bad examples on both sides of the Pacific or on the other side of the world if we're talking like European adaptations. But, you know, like, let them try. Like, you, you, you never know how it's going to turn out. And honestly, I'm it's just it's just annoying because. I I'd rather them I'd rather just see something new. I'd rather see something different. Like sure if it's the same thing that's that's fine, but if it if the director wants to take their own spin on it, I'm okay too. Whether or not it's good or not was a different story, but I'd rather just see people try. I mean, I I feel like I might have came off a bit uh dismissive there, but uh but I I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I and- I mean like <laughs> and I don't how, think how, you were being dismissive, Mohammed. Like I think your point's valid. I think they're I think I think the One Piece creatives need to be worried. I'm sure I, I, I would like to think that they took notice of this happening. So maybe that gives them an impetus to try and work a little harder, or maybe really try and understand what makes one piece or gundam successful you know i i think of i i don't remember where i read this but someone was commenting on in regards to cowboy bebop how when shinichiro watanabe was creating it like he was influenced by jazz he was influenced by like martial arts he was influenced by all these different things and that's what led cowboy bebop to become what it is and then you look at the live action cowboy bebop and they were just trying to recreate cowboy bebop it's as if maybe they didn't understand fully 
why it was successful. Or maybe they did, but they just didn't execute it well enough. Well, ultimately, they didn't execute it well enough. So, I think that it's gonna. It's just gonna be. I think I don't know. Like it's, I'm a little worried for those adaptations as well. But you know what? I can't do anything about it. All I can do is just give it a shot, and I'll evaluate from there. It, it would. It would be helpful if we knew exactly why Netflix canceled it. I mean, I can I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the, first, the words we, at least in the reports, were combination of prospective future viewership pair, uh, paired up with cost to make. So, they, in other words, it just couldn't justify the cost. So. Well, my take, I, I think it won't surprise you. In order to find the formula, you have to keep experimenting. And as I said, this is going to keep happening. I stressed that last week. And people have to relax about that. That's just my take. It's just going to keep happening. This is part of the ecosystem now. There were, quite a, few, there, there were quite a few bad Marvel movies before we got Spider-Man. Yes. And... I think it was just because the tune fro I had with the uh, uh, back on the Facebook group earlier this week. One minute you have somebody saying they should shouldn't even make an attempt to live action adapt an anime, and then the next minute that same person will say, "Oh, but I'd I'd love to see a live action property turned into an animation." Yeah, man, it's like how dare they do how how dare they make Kalo Bebop? But I sure would like to see a Shamrai Shamplu. That would be amazing. I'd love to <laughs> see a live action Samurai Champloo. Uh, I think the action could be a little better. Monkey paw incoming. <laughs> okay. Can, let's all right. Um, let's save a word for Eden Perkins. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. So, I know, no, I guess not before it came out, but essentially the day that the Netflix uh, live action was released, then probably the main video clip circling was this one clip of the Ed scene with people mocking it pretty much endlessly. I still see it as of yesterday, um, you know, memes of, you know, you if you go to college, you will meet this person in first year, or this is the person you must avoid when you first go to anime conventions, and so on and so forth, just with this one screenshot from that scene. I didn't get to that point in the series when I watched it, but I did see that that clip. And, you know, to use the vernacular, I can get the cringe elements of it. Like, it's, it's not the greatest um, first impression, especially out of context. It's... Um, you know, I would maybe agree with the criticism of maybe this one was ad- uh, adapted too closely. However, all that being said, I think it is, you know, a maybe a small t tragedy that we'll never get to see this actor try out to perform this fairly beloved character who I'm excited to learn about when I, I do get around to, to f- uh, finishing or continuing the, the animated series. Um, although, 
you know, the interpretation, I think, in the original is more androgynous versus non-binary. I think a lot of non-binary people see this as, you know, representation and good representation. Um, you know, I've I've seen multiple reviews and quotes for the original series saying Ed and, and to some extent Ayn are the wisest and smartest and most, you know, stable parts of the crew and the sort of glue that holds everything together. Um, so this was a very important character on multiple fronts. And to get such a a horrible and and hateful first impression, followed by cancellation, I think is incredibly sad. And I hope that they get other acting opportunities in the future and this doesn't like unless it's what they want and to to stop you know this this process in in their lives I, I if it is if acting is important to them if it's if it's something that they want to pursue i hope that it's not the outright discouragement i hope it's something that they can laugh about in in future comic con panels and and sort of you know say i you know i wish i had the <clears throat> the chance to you know <clears throat> develop this character and learn more about them um yeah, I just think it's it's very sad from a number of of levels. I I get the criticism. It's it it is not a great first impression, but that the cancellation, I think when I heard about the cancellation, that is the main thing that I thought about and and got sad about like this is going to be a stain on the character and potentially the actor which and I hope not, but potentially non-binary representation in general. Hopefully not, but you never know. And just to backtrack for a couple seconds, Eden Perkins is non-binary. Yeah, I meant the the character um, in the original animation, I think, was more androgynous. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what I was referring to. No, no, I mean, but but in case people weren't aware of Eden Perkins. And, yeah, My, my take on Ed, just in that couple seconds, at least... The type of language, maybe not not as much the the overly excited tone, but I could see some similarities with the dub version. That oh, it was spot on, man. I th- I thought we were at least on the right track. Maybe a, maybe maybe a little bit, maybe more bullet train as opposed to lo- uh, traditional <laughs> locomotive. But we were in the ballpark. I think I I, I thought it wasn't that bad. And maybe it is the fault of the writing. Writing, And a lot of people like to fault the writing in the cancellation here. But I, I kind of lament what, would, what could have been. Because I, I, as I said, I was really curious to see what they would do next. So kind of sad there. Okay. Well, we're almost done this evening. But before we go, let's commemorate a few people this week. In memoriam, a couple obituaries, a couple people in our fandom passed away. This hasn't been a good week for the Cowboy Bebop title. Keiko Nobumoto, prolific anime writer behind Cowboy Bebop, Macross Plus, among other titles, dies at the age of 57. Contributed to Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I'm trying to look, look up some of the uh, some of her credits here. 
Tokyo Godfathers, Wolf's Rain. Wolf's I, Rain. I, I, I'm, yeah. I mean, this is the the screenwriter. Wolf's Rain still holds up incredibly well. Also contributed scripts for Space Dandy and uh, Samurai Champloo. Well, it may, may make sense, I guess. If she if she worked on Cowboy Bebop as well, I have to say, uh, this is not really related to Keiko Keiko uh, Nobumoto, but I always thought that Samurai Champloo was better than Cowboy Bebop. Um, um, um Kevin, I need you to leave forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so noble moto um so this is we can talk about this later tomorrow later you know okay, okay. back into the live, live audience whenever we start doing that again so it's sad to hear about that i know we'll and like it's fresh i this was a few days ago i get it it's just or last week you know. but but i but, will say uh yeah the writing in Wolf's Rain is fantastic. It it starts off a little slow, but tension does uh, build up and it ebbs and flows. But those last four episodes or the OV episodes, absolutely brutal in all the in all the best ways. Mm. It's it's such a it's such a heart wrenching show and uh i feel like nowadays like older fans really do appreciate that show now even after all this time so uh yeah i don't know if it's legally streaming but if it is please go watch that show the other uh, name we want to bring up this evening masayuki uemura the main architect behind the Famicom and the Super Famicom, or the what we know as the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Super Nintendo, passed away this week, or it was known he passed away this week at the age of uh, 78. He actually retired, I think, from Nintendo in, I think, 2004 it was, and was teaching at a university. And it was the university that announced his... Uh, is passing. Ritz, uh, Ritsume Kan University. That's where he taught after he retired from Nintendo. I think that this passing is is kind of poignant um, because, you know, with, with Gunpei Yokoi passing many years ago now, I guess, um, you know, we don't have situations where there are architects or... Um, consoles that are the brain children of specific people anymore like it's it's so much committee now um but back in the day they were considered almost like independent projects like i know that there was still probably a team around their their designment and construction but you know you don't have these these singular um people who are you know around the the design process it's it's there's probably so many levels of of committee and reevaluation and redesign and discussions. Um, 
And I, I don't imagine it's kind of sad because um, it shows maybe how long, you know, the industry has been around, but I don't imagine there are many left, if any, that are, that could be called like sort of pure architects of, of these sorts of things. Obviously his involvement really changed the industry or what was eventually, uh, what eventually came out, changed the trajectory of the industry completely. And I, this is where, where my regret, where James isn't here tonight, because I know he, he would uh, speak a lot more to this. But imagine what it would have been like without the Ness and the Super Ness. Got the ball rolling. Especially since um, the console industry was spinning its wheels at that point. Some nice little photos of Uemura I saw circulate in the last couple days. One with him standing beside uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the Western version of his uh, (laughs) creation. Another just sitting in a traditional Japanese house, you know, playing playing a game, smiling and laughing. That's good. Sitting cross-legged. And those two photos I just took away from uh, the announcement this week. So once again, uh, Keiko no- Nobumoto gone at the age of 57, Masayuki Uemura gone at the age of 78. Okay, finally, before we go tonight, just one thing that I think um, some of us will be looking forward to. Discotech Media will have its uh, Discotech Day. We are taping this on the Sunday the 12th. Discotech Day happens tomorrow from this recording, December 13th. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, Discotech is probably going to do another slew of announcements and updates. Usually, this this is pretty much the event watching of the pandemic these days on Twitch. I'm pretty sure many people will be looking forward to that. Uh, is there something we, you think you, will happen, any of you? It oh, sounds like Kevin. I don't I know. I We're not putting money on this. Well, yeah. Huh, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I I always enjoy watching them when I remember to go watch them. So that's that's really all I got to say. Like, I know, you know, Mike and Justin are usually very entertaining. Put They put on a good show. Yeah, they're the, well, I mean, as I said, they, they've known Brady. They've been friends for years. All of them, like they have a, a certain chemistry with each other. So yeah, they, they their their banter is always makes it entertaining. So worth the watch, even if it's just for that. But I'm sure there's going to be some curiosity as to what comes out, and obviously we'll have something to say about that, as well the rest of probably are the fandom, the older fandom. Oh, uh, yeah. oh, so Mike, yeah, uh, I. Do you got to say one thing that was covered in the space heater last week? Well, the one where we actually showed our faces for once? Yeah. Okay. Kodansha Comics USA, you fucking blew it with Tokyo Revengers. I was shocked that Seven Seas picked up the physical license and 
congratulations to them truly because they were willing to take that risk or what was seen as a perceived risk in Tokyo Avengers, whereas Kodansha did not. The I don't know how true this is, but the supposed rumor was that, of course, Kodansha had first right of refusal on Tokyo Revengers. The thing is, is that they didn't jump on this series when the license was likely still relatively affordable. Because mm. what... In in the Discord group that I'm a part of with the, with the manga collecting, uh, the the supposed rumor is that uh, Kodansha Comics USA ran into a, like a into a Bandai situation of years past. So, a, in case people aren't aware, like yes, there's Kodansha USA and there's Kodansha of Japan, but it's not as if they just get these licenses for free. The The North American subsidiary would have to technically pay for this license. They don't just get these handed over to them free of charge. So, Almost Sony. So, the, so yeah. the rumor was that they had a chance to do print and physical off the bat, but they decided to go print digital only because... This is something that Kodansha tends to do nowadays with most of their properties where they will go digital first, then see it's how it then yeah. see how it does, and then maybe they'll do physical later if the the digital sales justify it or whatever factors that we're not aware of. So what likely happened was that since Tokyo Revengers then blew up once the anime came out Kodansha in Japan's like whoa 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 like hey we we need to ask this much now because it's such a successful property here and Kodansha Comics USA probably thought like oh like that's a lot of money we can't we can't justify this anymore like this is going to be pretty risky because to be fair uh the manga is starting to get a little long I think it is like roughly around the 20 volume mark that would cost a lot of money. And sometimes you really don't know if the popularity of a manga is going to really translate into sales, especially if the manga is long, because if you look at Yomushi Petal and Yen Press, like Yen Press is taking a bloodbath on that manga now. Because even though yes, Yomushi Petal was pretty popular, Yomushi Petal is a is seventy volumes and going strong in Japan. So perhaps they thought that oh, we don't know if you know it's going to be costly. We don't know if we can justify these numbers, and they decide not to go forward with it. We've had this conversation. Yeah, and but Yen Press, oh sorry, but Seven Seas decided it was worth that risk. So clearly Kodansha Comics USA refused. So then other companies had that opportunity. And so Seven Seas seized that opportunity. And I'm curious to see how it will pan out for them. 
because uh, the longevity of Tokyo Revengers does remain to be seen, but uh, kudos to them and God damn it, Kodansha, you let it, you let one slip from your fingers. Nothing, nothing like calculated risk. Kind of like uh, starting a stream. <laughs> Thanks for the thought, Kevin. Uh, well, Mo, Jeff, you have a final thought? Uh, please watch live action. I know it's been canceled, but it's still up there. Please watch it. <laughs> I'll, I'll try I to would, finish it. I would try to shill. <clears throat> I would try to shill for Shaman King, but I, you know, it's it's being made. I think it's pretty safe. They're just gonna finish dubbing it. I yeah, feel, no, need to, no need to rub it in, man. Come on. I feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have for tonight. First time listening. Once again. We'd love to hear from you. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com, at AnimeRoundtable, AnimeRoundtable.com, twitch.tv slash AnimeRoundtable, and we'll put a link to the YouTube channel as well. As always, word of mouth is appreciated, so tell your friends about the show if you think they'll like it. And don't forget to leave us a review if you can, wherever you're listening or watching this, because reviews and good ones may help the algorithm shine its fortune on us. How many stars? Five. We typically do regular episodes once every other week. It is changing a little bit. We are trying to be a little bit more frequent with that and the other stuff we're going to start presenting now that we have our YouTube and Twitch up and running. So with that said, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitch or Twitter or Instagram. So you can be notified whenever we add something new. And once again, I, since I mentioned it last week and it had been a while since I would mentioned it. In the meantime, check out our playlist on Spotify, which has music inspired by many of the things we talk about here. Yeah, it's probably a good thing that I don't have control of the, over that. Because oh, wait, what? It, it, there'd something? probably be a lot of K-pop on it otherwise. Yeah, I want to throw in some Japanese stuff too, but yeah, we can, we can, we can start another uh, playlist, you know. <laughs> well, give it, give it a listen. Uh, good for the, good for that commute or that uh, long drive, which uh, I took today. So until next time, we're online. Thanks for listening in. Good night from Toronto. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable.